Welcome to episode two. I'm going to turn my headphones down. We still haven't got the levels quite right where we like them yet. Is this going to fade out or is it just going to keep it, going? It, it is slowly fading by itself. No. Oh, there's one more rooster. Did you hear No, it? I think that was actually still in the recording. Oh, I thought it was. <laughs> Those are not our roosters. This is our old podcast intro from Farm Food Fitness. You dug it out of the archives. I found them. Nice. <laughs> I had to jump through some hoops. I had to like, okay, so where would that have been stored? And I can't find the guy. It was um, Fireproof Babies was the artist. <laughs> Babies are not fireproof. I'm going to have to practice using my uh, cough button today because yeah. I've got a little bit of a cough that's been hanging on for a few days. Driving me crazy, keeping me up at night. <laughs> Between that and the boys. Yeah. We've, it's been a rough few days. We Boys were sick. I was sick. I mean... You're always like a low level sore and cranky. So <laughs> I've been better lately. The uh, stretch therapy has helped. Yeah, shout out to Cass at Stretch Health Canada. I mean, I don't think I'm ever going to be like 100% like just pop out of bed in the morning. No. I just need a little warm up. But you know, something that we didn't really bring up last time that I'm not sure that anyone knows about, and it's definitely a part of our journey and, and how we sort of operate on a day to day basis. I don't know how many people know. Your story, if that's something that you want to tell on this podcast or if you just, you know, like a little brief, like in case you didn't know. Yeah. I mean, it was around 2010. I mean, uh, it was right around my 30th birthday. Um, so that just dated myself. Mm. Um, and uh, I kind of, that's when I started most of my health journey. I'd kind of been messing around with the Couch to 5K program back then. Um, and around, it was actually basically New Year's or uh, Boxing Day. I got a, one of those connected scales because I used to be like super tech nerd and everything connected. Used to be? <laughs> yeah, I was into like connected everything and all that. Now I'm the one that grabs about like, why the heck does our dishwasher need Wi-Fi? Anyway. <clears throat> um, it was right about then that um, I stepped on the scale at like 320 something. Um, and then, of course, went up a few pounds over New Year's and then started just after that kind of, I lost about 130 pounds in about 13 months. Um, I was down, I, that was kind of the, the end mark of like trying, I lost a bunch more weight after that, but, um, and I've put back on some for a few different reasons, not, not only like <laughs> the COVID-19, but also like just working out at the gym, getting heavier, getting stronger. I am vastly different body composition than I ever was in my life. So, but I think, I mean, if we were to put a pin on when things kind of like got more difficult for us it was after Hudson like I don't think your <laughs> your fitness took as much of a priority no. after Hudson like no, certainly not if I were to put a marker on that for you I mean when we first met you were 180 pounds uh yeah like 185 ish yeah, yeah. Right, right in that range yeah and I think I don't think I was ever under 180 but I'm, I'm six foot tall like broad shoulders like I am not a small person to begin with no um I mean, there were other things going on there, certainly a high level of stress that kind of, that, that factors into yep. weight loss and, and those kinds of things. But, um, yeah. How did we start talking about that? Oh, because you're always sore. Yeah. I think I, I spent you know, 30 odd years yeah. ruining my body and I'm never, I'm not expecting to ever be back to hundred percent, but I would like to be able to like, well, and I mean, my goal now training, focusing around the boys is like, I don't want to be the one that's like completely paralyzed and sore from being in the gym. I would like to still be able to go in, in the house and get on the floor and play with my kids and stuff. So the, the, the point of 
the po- the purpose of my fitness is a little different now. And yeah. I actually worked out today. Well, and I think too for you, it's like for doing things around the, the farm, like around the property, being able to, you know, build things on your own. Because for the most part, you know, we don't have a broad circle of friends and family members to help out with that kind of stuff. So if I'm inside with the boys, keeping them occupied, by and large, you're doing most of the building yourself. Sometimes from time to time I come out and help, but it's all you. Yeah. I mean, or, or I'm getting help from Hudson, which is yeah. the opposite. Hudson is not a, a good helper. But yeah, so that's like, and I end up spending, especially right now, we're going through a period in the spring with, I mean, having a new cow, trying to like expand our chicken operation and whatnot and get gardening in and with all the farm equipment and everything. Like I've been spending most of my like physical labor energy on that and not been in the gym much, but I came home well, today. And with a, I mean, just time on the clock like there's yeah. just not enough hours in the day like there's a, a ever never ending list of projects and things that need to be done like the milk house needs some finishing touches before it's functional we need yeah. to get like the hot water heater is here we need to get that installed yep. we need to get the flooring finished get the drain kind of closed up get it cleaned up and sort need, of organized in there i need the taps need the taps once i get the taps i can mostly get everything like the plumbing wise running so you can have water yeah. Although the drain side's not finished either, so that's going to be a bit of a... Well, and um, where we live, we tend to just go right from winter headlong into summer, and this week is going to be, you know, mid-20s all week this week. Today was and glorious. Sun, it was beautiful, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not complaining, don't get me wrong, but it means that, like, if we're turning Ruby out onto pasture, she needs shelter and water out there. So there's, yeah. like, two more things that need to be put on the to-do list with you know, a, a bit of a sense of urgency surrounding them, right? Especially if, you know, the calf is out there with her, we need shelter, we need water. Just the never-ending list of things that, you know, need to be done and like triaging them so that there's a sense of urgency surrounding them. Like, you know, saying, okay, this is really important right now and this like, can wait. And- like building a brooder box in an hour because I had to pick up chickens at 10 a.m.? Whoopsie. <laughs> I had to last. Uh, it was that last was, week. We that talked was about it on the podcast last time. Yeah, well, we t- we mentioned Tuesday. that I had to go do that on Tuesday. So mm-hmm. Tuesday morning, I dropped the boys off. I came back home. I I had about an hour and a half to build the brooder box. Um, I build these really simple, just like a square box. And because I make liners, I made a little liner for it so that we can. It's very easy to clean. Um, not so much in the winter when you have to do it in the tub. In the summer, hopefully, we'll be able to go outside. Yeah, because it wasn't so easy to clean. <laughs> it was a bit complicated, and I ended up with more chicken poo water on me than I wanted to while yeah. I was cleaning it. Should so. be should be nice when we're outside with it. But the um, so I mean that took precedent last week. Um, I had to go pick up auction stuff today. Yeah, so we got uh, two calf hutches. We won an auction, which was. That's going to be for a fall project that we're yeah. working on. So they're just going to kind of hang out in the yard for. A little while because if you're looking for homestead things i recommend getting on the auction sites and keeping an eye out for farm auctions because i find a lot of stuff like i got that sink mm-hmm. for like i got like a 15 dollars sink for 200 dollars. i got those calf hutches for like 230 or something and they're big yeah they're like seven feet long it's they were a lot bigger than i for even the kids ask ask hudson if he wants to go camping tell him it's a tent <laughs> once we clean them out we'll show them they didn't they don't know that they're there yet and it doesn't smell like mud doesn't smell like mud kimosabi. <laughs> it was, um, they were not clean and they were not fun to get home on the trailer because they, they're, they're large and they don't fit side by side. I had to stack them. It was a whole scene, but yeah, so we buy, I, I end up finding a lot of stuff at a farm auction 
um, which is fun. A lot like it's starting to get back to being able to find good deals on the farm auction site. So I we, think what we kind of have a bad habit of doing <laughs> is like starting a, a project. I'm going to use the milk house as an example, getting it to a certain point where it's almost finished and then starting something else where you have like so many things on the go because you, you start something else because you have to wait. Right. So like I'm waiting we're, for the taps, we're, we're waiting in for a the bit floor a, guys, we're waiting for the heat. We're in a bit of a holding pattern with the milk house, but now you've started other projects that it's like, those are going to have to be put on pause once, you know, cause the milk house is going to be very important in, in a very, very short amount of time because yeah. once the floor's done, it'll take off. Yeah. Cause by the time the floor is done, I should have the taps and we'll get the hot water heater put in. So we found a little like camp hot water heater for, it's actually an indoor model for like inside a shower shack at a camp. Does the propane tank go outside? I will have to ask the gas expert on that one. Yeah. Apparently you can hook it up to like a 20, like a barbecue tank. And that can be inside the milk house? I have no idea. I don't, I don't know if it can be inside the milk house or not. So we'll, uh, that'll be one that we have to ask the experts on that one. I, there's two things. I'll do a little bit of electrical on my own, but when it's bigger electrical projects, I do not, I do not tackle those. Um, and the other one that I don't look after myself, I, I really don't look after is gas. I don't, no, I don't, I, no. I don't do gas things. I don't even, I only just started recently changing the propane tank on the barbecue because I set a barbecue on fire once and I have a little bit of PTSD from it. So <laughs> I had I, a bad experience. I, um, yeah, avoid changing the propane tank at all costs, but the ones yeah. that we have now, that one's pretty easy to change. I'm okay. I, that one, I'm confident that I'm not going to light it on fire. The new fittings on barbecues are a lot easier. They've they got a big, big fitting on it as opposed to the little ones that used to be on the barbecues. Yeah, so it is, it is a fair bit better. It was terrifying though. The whole thing was on fire. So she changed – well, it wasn't even on the barbecue. It was on the, the uh, maple syrup boiler. No, I've changed the barbecue one before Oh, did you too? do? Yeah. Okay. And so. I think I sent you a text that day. I was like <laughs> – I changed the propane tank. And I'm not on fire yet. <laughs> <laughs> so – yeah, so we picked up calf hutches. Um, they're the typical, like if you've ever driven by uh, um, well, just about any cow farm. Um, I think they're significantly more elaborate than most calf hutches I've seen. Most calf hutches I've seen are just like a, <laughs> an extruded plastic sort yeah. of like hut, like a dome. Yeah, this, this one is, has This has got like three flip-up and... windows and a little thing. It's pretty elaborate, yes. Yeah. So the purpose for these is we were looking far forward at, at getting pigs um, and I can't, where did we hear the idea of using these things for pigs? From the, that farm that we went to on family day. Okay. I, I, I hesitate to say the name of the farm cause I don't want to say it wrong, but Jura, yeah. Uriah, I don't know. Uriah Hills out, um, a little bit further Southwest of us. We, yeah. um, went for a farm tour on family day and they had a bunch of these Cooney Cooney pigs. Um, and they're pretty great. Like yeah. aside from the shrieking, they're pretty great, yeah. but they, I've always been hesitant to get pigs because they just, in my experience, not that I have any experience, but from what I've known about pigs, they just seem to like tear up the property. And anybody that I've heard that has had pigs said, put them in a place that you don't care about because they're going to tear it to shreds. But these pigs, because their noses are so short and stumpy, they don't actually root. You can pasture graze them. Yeah, Which, they're in a class that they call pasture pigs. Apparently, there's others, I suppose, because yeah. it can't be just them. But and they're small; they don't yeah. get very big, so they they look a little bit more like a potbelly pig. But apparently, yeah. their meat is delicious. Yeah. So that again, we kind of have you know a checklist for bringing new animals onto the farm. Does it serve a purpose? Can we 
use its products, yeah. whether that's, you know, honey from bees, whether it's milk from the cow, whether it's beef, whether it's eggs and chicken, you know, these pigs are going to help us um, take care of some of the um, milk waste. And by milk waste, I mean like byproduct of cheese making. Um, oh, and any, we will have a plethora of milk that we will undoubtedly yeah. have milk, just standard milk that goes bad. Sure. And yeah. pigs love sour milk. Yeah. So, I mean, they're going to help us to, you know, control our supply a little bit and give us meat. So, yeah. and, and not tear up the pasture that we want to use for grazing our cattle. Yeah. And all we need is these little calf hatches to keep them in the wintertime. So the idea is we're going to kind of see how much yield we get out of our hay pastures and how much we have baled and everything. And we'll make the call on whether we think we kind of have enough left over. I think we'll be okay. It all depends on how much this cow eats when she starts milking. Yeah, but if we can get two cuts off of nine acres, we'll be. I think we'll be good. Any Anyways. experts out there that could help us? We've, we've had a few people go like, well, well, you might have to do this. You might have to do that. Like, I guess it depends on how thick that pasture fills up. Like yeah. we kind of did some. We need the bees back. Reseeding procedures last fall. And <laughs> we'll just have to wait to see if that works because yeah. we, we don't know what we're doing. Yep. I think I, I might have said it a little bit when we talked, when we started the podcast last week and said like, you know, in the age of information, I think that there's a lack of actual mentors and physical mentors. And if there's anything that we can do with this podcast, like share what we've learned, you know, reach out when we have a question, maybe we can, you know, maybe this podcast is a, a bit of a stepping stone to find people who know what it's we a, don't know. It's a gateway to the gateway animals. <laughs> yeah, the chickens are the gateway animals. I think we talked about that yeah. last year too. So it's, I said this when we went to this, on this farm tour back in February, I said like, I, as we were kind of like getting the boys out and getting them dressed, putting their little like whatever, it wasn't, it wasn't that cold. So it was like rain suits more than anything. It was, it was chilly. Was it? I yeah, don't it remember that much, but so I, I remember as we're kind of suiting them up and I'm watching because it was like a, a family day. They did like a series of farm tours. They had half hour blocks and they had like four or five families in each block. And so I, I'm kind of looking at some of the other like ecotourist people. And I'm like, I think there's kind of two types of people that come to these things. I said, and we're the minority of the two things. I said, there's a lot of people that come that have not a lot of experience in farms. They come to just be like, oh, look at the goats and stuff. Yeah. And away they go. And then there's us who is in there going Which like. Which is totally fine. Yeah, because oh, I think like even... At that farm, um, Cheryl and mm, John Mark and their children, I think they did a really, really good job of having the conversation of which, what purpose each animal serves. So, you know, if, if it's a family who's just looking for, you know, a place to take their kids to see animals, they're also going to get a little bit of that farm experience yeah. and knowing where their food comes from. Yeah. And then there's like people like us who are like, can I ask you a few extra, like after the tour, can we ask you a few questions about your Jersey cow? Hey, what about these pigs? Could we, because like what, a week later, she's like, hey, we've got this pig for sale. She's like messaging on Instagram. Yeah. I think I had messaged her asking some questions about the pigs and she had said, because um, I said, would, would you sell a, like a pair to breed for, because you can't just get one because they would be, they get sad. <laughs> They do. They get sad. It's a real She's thing. got a jersey to hang out with. Listen, <laughs> you have to get more than one. So I had asked the question about a breeding pair. Um, and then that's when she sent me the picture of that little one because she didn't have any males that weren't related to her at that time. So we may have to, <laughs> but we know somebody else who has these pigs. So yeah. we could maybe diversify. Yeah. I've never spent as much time 
time trying to like, and I do it for the chickens now because we've got some chickens that are related, some chickens that aren't like, and I've never spent that much time trying to go like, okay, now, so that's his kid and these are his, like, and, and doing the whole work around trying to figure out who like, okay, what, which one, which rooster should we keep and which rooster should we get rid of? Like, who do we just, you just take them all out. Well, Done. I mean, Hudson needs to go. Yeah, that rooster. Did we talk about his spurs last time? I think we talked about it yeah. briefly, but we didn't talk about the technique. We haven't done it yet because I think we're both terrified. Yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, I'm I'm starting to assert some more dominance to him because the last few nights when I go out to collect eggs, he's up on the perch and he perches over top of one of the spots where they lay eggs. So I've kind of started to like shoo him out. And before I was a little more tentative to do that. And he's starting to like... Not cower, but he actually like comes up and he's like, like climbs down off of the perch. And yeah, but he doesn't come at you. No, like he doesn't charge you. No, when I open the door and surprise him, he puffs all up and gets big, and then calms. I'm like, and I usually talk to him. <laughs> so we need to make a decision what we're going to do with him, whether we're going to keep him or whether we're going to just meet him. Meet him. <laughs> We've turned meet into a verb, um, because his spurs are getting pretty long. And a bit dangerous, and he's causing some damage to some of the hens when he mounted them to do rooster things. So, I mean, for the sake of animal welfare and taking care of our animals, we need to, you know, do something about his spurs. And one of the techniques that we found, because YouTube is an incredible source of information and learning. (laughs) Take that with a grain of salt. (laughs) Yeah. You really got to sift through the chaff on that one. Because when we first did this, we both looked at you and can you believe this lady? Yeah. Like, So um, one of the uh, well, multiple videos that we watched referred to the potato technique. And we were like, what is this potato technique? Like, we we this- saw the one and she told us about it. And then we were like, no way. Yeah. So then we watched another video and she's like, some people like the potato technique, but we like to do this instead. So yeah. we're like, see, the potato thing is like, it's complete bullshit. Yeah. And then we watched a few other videos and it came back around and we're like... So there's oh. something to this potato thing. So what you do is you take a potato, you put it in the microwave, you get it steaming hot, and then you actually um, pierce the potato with the rooster's spur. So you put the, the steaming hot potato onto the spur of the rooster. And if you've never seen a rooster spur, maybe Google it so you know what we're talking about if you care. Um, but it's kind of like a toenail, like a, like a dog's claw... Um, like with a quick inside and then like a, a thick nail portion on the outside. And so you place the potato onto the thick nail portion and then that kind of like steams and softens the nail portion so that you can easily crack and remove the nail portion with, with, a, pair of pliers. with a pair of pliers. Um, terrifying. It is. Yeah. It doesn't bleed. I mean, I mean- the, the rooster himself is already somewhat terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. That's the part that I'm afraid of. So like my idea was, I mean, I want you to like, don't close your eyes if you're driving, but like just create a visual in your mind. My idea was to go into the coop with a pillowcase and put it over his head, kind of like a um, prisoner of war <laughs> and just like zip tight around his neck. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, not his neck, like around like the bottom of his legs so that his, his spurs are exposed, but the rest of him is contained his, mm-hmm. his pointy bits, his, his <laughs> wings, his beak. I like, do, I do think that this is a slightly better. Uh, my idea was just use a towel 
the pillowcase and the closure method of the pillowcase is is a, is a slight yeah, advantage. Yeah, because over I what think I was once thinking. you get them like upside down in between your knees to like, yeah, m- plop the potato onto the spur. Well, I think that like I don't think he's going to move around much because he's going to be so. From doing some dispatch on chickens, when you turn them upside down, they get pretty docile. Well, that's what I mean. But like, you're not going to get him upside down with his head uncovered. I think you, that's that's where the pillowcase comes in. I mean, I could use the hugging cone. Hugging cone. His head's still stick at the bottom. Yeah. Well, no. You have. <laughs> Here's another terrifying aspect of the dispatch portion of of chickens. Hugging cone is a kill cone. It's a, a tin so, cone that you jam the chicken or rooster's head through. If you are trying to post something on YouTube, they call them hugging cones because kill cone is not allowed. But the sticker on the outside from the PV Mart says kill cone. I know, but they call they refer to them yeah. as a hugging cone because it gives them a nice little hug while you slit their throat. But um, <laughs> so the um, but no, like um, you, you have to reach up from the bottom to get their head out the bottom oh. of it. So I like also not, not a thing I ever look forward to doing. No. There's some parts of this that were still a little bit squeamish. And I think like, we'll see how it goes, but I'm, there's some per- certain parts of like Maybe. Ruby's calving experience that I think that I'm. I still uh, think that you're just going to wake up one morning. There's going to be a calf. Yeah. I, I mean, best case scenario, but also I think I'll be devastated that I missed it. If that's the case, like I, if we lately we've been saying, is there still only one cow? Like <laughs> looking on the cameras and kind of going like, is there still just one? Because it kind of seems like she's been getting ready to have this calf forever. Like, I, what night was it that I was in the barn? I think Thursday night I came out to the barn late because we were looking on the monitor and it appeared as though she was having contractions. And this after, you know, Wednesday last week, she had some, she's been really, I mean, forgive the graphic description, but she's been really mucusy. Um, and then... Wednesday, there was a little bit of blood with the mucus. I'm like, okay, here we go. Like Thursday was going to be a full moon. I'm like, the moon draws things out of people. Like maybe it does the same for cows too. I don't know. So like just watching intently all day long and then watching the monitor right before we went to bed. And that was one of the nights that Hudson was sick. It was Thursday night. And Hudson was throwing up and in bed with Bill. And I was like, I'm like, I have to go. I have to go outside. I have to go check on Ruby because she's having contractions. And so I came out and sat with her for a little while. And I mean, she didn't seem to be too bothered by them. Like she was still eating. She was still drinking. She pooped and she peed, you know, cleaned out her stall and made sure everything was nice and tidy. Sat with her for about an hour. I was starting to fall asleep in the corner of the stall, like sitting in the stall with her on top of a pile of hay. You sound like a horse person. Oh. A crazy heifer lady. <laughs> um, yeah, I was fully prepared to sleep in the barn. Like I was, when I got dressed to come out, I put an extra pair of socks on. I put my coveralls on and my toque on. I was, I was prepared to stay out here all night. And I <laughs> sat with her for about an hour and she laid back down and chewed her cud and kind of looked like she was going to sleep. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to sleep in the barn if you're just going to stall here. I'll just check her in the morning and I slept with the monitor by my bed and kept kind of every time I woke up through the night because it's a lot these days, just checked her and she didn't seem bothered by it. And then like nothing since. I mean, she's bagged up. Her udder is huge. We're just, we're just waiting. We're just in a holding pattern. I think we got two weeks. You think? I think we, to be fair, part of that's because I think we need two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> 
So that's the farm update. Well, is there anything else on the farm? Oh, oh we ducks. Put, uh, uh, we, we already had ducks in the incubator. Yeah, I know, but I'm just, <clears throat> I'm so excited about it. You did candled some, them the other day. I candled them the other I, day. I was downstairs and I heard like dancing in the kitchen because she candled all the chick, all the uh, duck eggs in. So after eggs have been in the incubator for a week to 10 days, um, there's a special flashlight that you can buy. You don't have to have a special flashlight. It's a special flashlight that doesn't put heat into the egg when you shine it into the egg. It's an LED light. So it's bright, but not hot. So I candled the eggs with Olivia the other night and we put 13 eggs in and it looks like we have 13 viable ducklings. So um, when you shine the light inside the egg, if it's viable and fertilized, you can see, um, sometimes you can see an embryo. Sometimes you can see the chick or duckling moving around inside the egg, which is super cool. That's so awesome when you get to see that. And other times you just see like a network of blood vessels that are beginning to form. And then you know that it's viable, that it's not just a yolk. Yeah. That and on the weekend, I went and picked up some posts to set the new fence for Ruby's, Ruby and child's pasture. (laughs) We got a lot done on the weekend. Yeah. We picked up our last piece of hang equipment from the lovely folks that we um, cross paths with that hang equipment that we picked up off of Kijiji, lovely couple, um, Paul and Michelle, they've, they're going to be an excellent resource for us too. Cause they've said like, call us anytime, you know, it's kind of a, a bit of a budding friendship maybe that's, that's growing. Yeah, the only problem well. is they live. 30, it's not that far. 30. It's only a half an hour away. Yeah. yeah. But it's an hour round trip. And yeah. Anyways, yeah. it's lots to do there. Yeah, so we, we we back in the fall when we bought the equipment, I pulled the trailer over there. We were able to get the the uh, baler and the rake on the trailer, but we couldn't. There wasn't enough room to get the mower up there, and things got away from us. And it just kind of he's like, no, no, not a big deal. Come get it whenever you can. So we uh, we brought him one of our chickens as a uh, as a storage fee, <laughs> and uh, picked up the final piece of equipment on the weekend. So it was a, a nice little trip over there to grab that and and got back and then. It was later that day. No, it was Thursday that I, yeah, uh, no, Thursday I went and got the post. Because Thursday I'm going like, wow, they're clo- everything's closed on Friday because it was Good Friday. So, But Thursday, we got the, the hay cutter on, on Saturday, Saturday yeah. and then Saturday afternoon when I, I was in, posts. I went grocery shopping and you set posts. Yeah, I did. We got about 30 posts to put in um, to kind of like, we're changing some of where the, the uh, pasture was because we actually have a piece of, uh, of, uh, of land out front here that we're going to try to grow some. Some fun things. We're going to do some oats. Yeah, I think we just kind of looked at the property and looked at how many under leverage parcels there are. There's a lot of pieces of land. I mean, the previous owner just kind of had a a jog in the fence to get just to add a little like, uh, well, it's, I measured it. I can't remember what the size was, but it was a good chunk of a piece there. Um, and he had it just like in pasture for the, for his horses. Um, but we decided part of the fences were all falling down. So we pulled those posts last week and we're just extending it straight off of one of the other fence lines. We're kind of keeping her off of a section of it. And then we're going to try to plan on growing some oats. I don't, we might do some other stuff there, some other grains, um, some of the stuff that we use for grains. Yeah. I think that that's going to be a fun project, but I don't think that you can grow the quantity that we need for our family. I don't think we can process the quantity that we need for our family. It sounds like we're <laughs> buying a flour mill. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, it's. Um, I was watching the process of, of a lot of people trying to get the oats and stuff off of it. I mean, theoretically, they, to get the oats for the cows wouldn't be that hard. You said something it. about a carpet and a stick. Yeah, so the guy took a piece of plywood and put a piece of carpet, like outdoor, like like low 
pile loft with a little pile carpet on it and then had a block like a piece of two by four with a piece of carpet and would like just put a handful on the carpet and basically like had it in a in a wheelbarrow yeah and would just like sift it like rub it back and forth to try to get it all off of it and then like collect it all up in the bottom of it so that doesn't sound like something i'm willing to do not for like three four five hours no <laughs> 50 50 pounds of wheat or oats or that's barley. We'll see. I, I bought some rice. We'll see if we can grow some rice for fun. I got a bunch of different things. I get excited when I see seed, like seed places, when I find a new seed place. And You need one of those seed tackle boxes or those seed organizers. I've looked at different options for it, but I haven't found a good one that I that I like. Huh. I, well, well, actually, when we were sitting down to record last week, I found a whole pile of seeds in one of my old binders. So I'm like, Jesus. I was like, oh, well, they're right there. That's oh, the yeah. But. So that's the farm update. Um, our milk and cream, our milk oh, that's machine right. and cream separator came this week as well. So we put that together. We this put afternoon. it together, but we haven't had a chance to really like play with it. Or I'd really like to give it a once over and and clean it. I'm I'm concerned about taking those hoses on and off. I'm sure over time they'll get yeah you know worked in and you know as much as they'll get worked in, they'll also fail and be too worked in and need to be replaced. Well, I think there's enough over, there's enough extra that you can probably cut a little bit off the end when it starts fraying out and everything. And, yeah. And have to start up fresh trying to jam the damn thing back on because there's yeah. not a lot of wiggle room on those. Just like I said before on our last episode, our first episode, we are in such a season of like <laughs> big learning. And so it seems like every week, every day, there's there's something we didn't know that we needed to spend more time learning about, right? Like I, I was saying this, I, I'm not sure who I was saying it to, but like we've said it before, you don't know what you don't know. There were so many instances where I didn't know that something needed, that something bore more research. Yeah. Like the like, milk machine, the cream separator. Like I don't know how to use either of these pieces of equipment and I'm going to end up using them every day. Like I have to be, you know, it'll take time, but I have to be efficient with these pieces of equipment because yep. I mean, they can either aid you or hinder you. And I mean, the pur the purpose of purchasing them was so that they can aid my workload. I'm still not a hundred percent convinced that you're going to use the milker. You think I'm just going to hand milk? I, from everybody that I've talked to for one cow, they say, by the time you clean everything and get yeah. it all going and everything, it's oh, it's actually faster to... To hand milk. Yeah. I'm just worried about my um, endurance, <laughs> being a, like being able to do it, like being able to milk 16... Like I'm going to have forearms the size of Popeye. Like, <laughs> I mean, I already have pretty big arms. I'm I do think it's probably arms. easier if we have somebody farm sit for us. For them to hand milk. No, to use the to milker. Use the machine. There's, well, there's it a depends. knack to milking. I mean, we have a, a network of dairy farmers thanks to the gym. So, I mean, there's always going to be someone who is familiar with both ways of doing things. I suppose. I don't know how many traditional dairy farmers nowadays actually know how to milk by hand. I think the ones that we have in our circle know and do milk by hand sometimes. Can you imagine if you had like even just 10 cattle and your milk machine broke? Yeah. Your power went out. You didn't like, I mean. Hey, we're still working on that Generac. Yeah. We're trying That'll, to get, our, our, actually. Add that to the project list. Knock on wood. This year, this winter has not been bad for power outages. Yeah. 
we've had pretty brutal power outages in the past. And actually going into the winter, I was trying to find somebody and nobody was available to put a generac in. So yeah. I didn't. I didn't like the cut, the price tag. What they quoted me for a rough estimate on a whole home solar, but those were all the things that I had on my list. We talked about the bees last time. We've got our beekeeping course coming up. That yeah, that's in that's in a couple. It's right after the Festivus games. Sure is. It's the Sunday after Festivus. Yeah, a couple of weeks. So we're going to be going all day Saturday, all day Sunday, and your parents are away, and Maya wants to be away for her birthday. So like, there's a lot going on all at once. But that. Anybody. Is that just the way that we roll? It's just everything all at once, all the time. It's, I, I've said this before. I mean, I've said it before when the boys were sick, like off and on, like, like A, B, A, B, A, B, back to back to back. Like I said it before, like, can we just catch a break for a minute? Like, yeah. can we just have like. I want things to be boring. A solid couple of weeks. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it is. It's a lot of things all the time, but then it's like everything all at once for like a short period of time every once in a while. Yeah. I think our um, tolerance, resilience for exhaustion is low. Like now, yeah. Yeah. And we're heading into a busy season, busy at the farm, busy with you at work, like everything. It's a lot. We have to kind of find a way to catch our breath. And I think like, so we the, add a podcast the farm to is, it. Well, yeah, right. Jeez, <laughs> oh, the farm is fun. Like I enjoy doing chores with you. I enjoy oh. building out the farm with you. Like it's rewarding. I used to say it to people that talked when they were like, "Why do you live all the way out there?" And I said, "Like, well, you go out to a hockey game or basketball game, or whatever, like in downtown." And you, I'm like, "Yeah." Like I walk out of there and I look up at the apartment buildings across the street, and I'm like, "Man, it'd be nice." You walk over to get in the elevator, you're upstairs, and you're at home. Yeah. And then I drive. I do the 25 minute drive home, and I walk across. You the wouldn't driveway. like that so much if you had to make three trips to bring your groceries out, though. No, but but I like and then I yeah I walk across the the driveway like I get I drive home, I walk across the driveway. It's dead quiet. I can see every single star. Mm. Like and you know and you feel that like just that little bit of bite in the cool air or whatever. Mm. Like, I mean I do and I do the same thing sometimes when we're walking in from doing chores at night. Like that same kind of like just like cool little air. You can see the stars. You hear now it's like the the, the frogs and the geese and the ducks and the po- like and these aren't even our geese or ducks yet. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like as we're walking across, you hear all that stuff. And I'm like, that's, I mean, I said it before when we were, when we were cleaning chickens, when we're, when it's like butcher day for chickens, I'm like, at the end of the day, you went from having all of these animals that you're looking after and feeding. And now you have all of this food in your freezer. 67 I'm like, pounds. I'm like, it's not, I, I said this, like, it sounds weird to say that I actually enjoy doing that. I, I don't care for the dispatch and it is a bit of a dirty job. And there's some like gross parts when you've got something that didn't quite fast long no, enough. No, but and, when that food is on your plate and, yeah. and we've said this to the kids too, it, it gives you a, a big reverence. You don't waste food the same. You don't, no. And I, I mean, I was actually talking to Michelle about this on the weekend, the farm, the place that we got the, the hay equipment from, because she was actually asking about the broilers and yeah. and raising their own meat birds. And she said, well, how, like how many chickens would a family of four need? I said, well, it kind of depends on your consumption. I said, but you do end up consuming food differently when you're raising and eating your own birds. You know, it would before you wouldn't think anything of going to, you know, the butcher shop or the market or the superstore or whatever grocery store and buying a club pack of just chicken breasts. But now when we look at eight chicken breasts in a package, 
Like that's four chickens. And there's a lot of other meat on that bird. Uh, what happened to the rest of the bird? Like where is the rest of the, so you so you change your consumption, you change your the ways that you use meat, you change the recipe, you change, you know, all of those things. And I think it, it, it like it gives you that reverence and that appreciation when it's on yeah. your plate, especially have gone through, having gone through the process. We did, I mean, we did it in the fall. We had a couple of meals that were, we said the, it was the olive oil and the salt was the only thing that didn't come from the farm. Yeah, that felt good. And that's it's a it it's a simple because they tend to, they tend to be simple meals because you can't like yeah, but we eat like that anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's cool when, when all of the food on the plate comes from the farm. And I think we can, as we start to round out, someone's laying yeah, an egg in there's, there. There's an egg coming up. I don't think you'll be able to hear that. But. Um, you know, as we start to fill out some of the products that we're producing from the farm, those meals will become um, more and more. Like we'll we'll have more items to choose from. We'll have yeah. more meals that will come from the farm, not yeah. just, you know... A, a very special dinner once a season. <laughs> there was, a, there was, there there was, was a couple. I, think. I, re, I can remember. But it was always chicken and vegetables. <laughs> yeah. Um, chicken was the only meat that we had. Like. Yeah. But, but so now like, now start, let's start to think about it a little bit more. Like I'm going to be making cheese. I'm, you know, we're, if we have a steer calf, then, you know, we're going to put him in the freezer. Like, so now we've got beef. Now we've got cheese. Now like. I've got a couple of talking. corn varieties that we can make good uh, tortillas out of. You know, we're talking about getting these pigs. We can have, you know, all of the pork products. We can have lard. We well, can have tallow. We can have all, like... You talk about, like, you talk about going to the store and getting a club pack of chicken. I look at it, I'm going like, I love I love brisket and I love ribs. I'm a barbecue guy. There's two briskets. You could divide them, but yeah. there's basically two briskets yeah. on a cow. Yeah. How many ribs? Like, there's two racks of ribs on a cow. Yeah. Like, we think well, nothing... I mean, I mean, the the rib cage would be cut into several yeah. like portions, but but yeah, yeah. Like the the, the you, there's not a lot yeah. of that stuff on a yeah. So when you buy a box of ribs, you're buying like a significant portion of the animal's yeah. singular body part. Yep. Yeah, I think you you just consume differently. You think about your food differently when you're farming it and when you're parting it out, and you have these aha moments along the way where you're like, oh wow. Like I, I wanted, I want to do that differently. Well, I, I actually, I said this to a few people when I was a couple of times I was in the gym after having done a lot of butchering of chickens. And I'm like, I look at anatomy and movement in the gym differently having taken apart a chicken. I know that sounds silly, but I, I know exactly <laughs> what you're saying because you, un, like, I've, I've actually taken apart and cut through tendons and ligaments and the muscle tissue and the, and actually seen the joints put together and how different joints put together and everything. Yeah. And you actually do get a different understanding of how and why things move in certain ways and even like i mean we've said it in crossfit for a long time like oh, people come in they go i got a knee problem i'm like well the problem is actually not your knee the yeah, problem is probably your ankle above, your, above it's, your, it's, it's probably ankle or hip it's the knee is the pain problem that's that resulting in that but the, the actual the, the the reason why it's doing that is somewhere else and now like having actually cut apart tendons in the middle of a knee joint in a chicken you're going like okay i can see how that connects up here and do chickens have kneecaps? Is there a patella? I'll be honest with you. I 
I cut above that joint, so I don't know if they're, well, oh. grab the chicken feet out of the freezer and take one apart and see. <laughs> I'm, I'm usually aiming for above that joint, like just slightly above that joint, and I don't dig into it any further. So I, I don't actually, I'll, I'll tell you next time we butcher, in, in about 11 weeks, I'll let you know. Can this episode be called, Do Chickens Have Kneecaps? It's the question for you. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so that kind of is a good segue into what's been going on in the gym. So we started our, um, most recent postpartum session. So that's been really exciting to see all of the mamas and their babies. We've got 12 moms and babies coming into the gym twice a week. Um, and four of them are repeats, which that's a, that feels good. That they're, that they're, and by repeats, I mean, they are moms who are back for another postpartum session with their next baby. I said it like the last couple of years with COVID and the gym and the kid, our kids and the farm have been mostly a blur. And I said it like, it doesn't feel like the gym has been open long enough to have somebody now have a second child. And it's not even the first time. Yeah. One of our gym members, um, came back for her second, um, sorry, it was her third baby but it was her second time through the postpartum yeah. section so and back in the gym yeah and and back in the gym and you know you know has shared that this pregnancy and postpartum period was better easier she felt stronger afterwards so i mean strong people are harder to kill and more useful in general <laughs> everything Everything just ends up easier if you're stronger and getting that feedback from people and seeing them come back to the gym and just having those people kind of get back to movement in general yeah, is fun to have. One of the big things that we say when we have all of the moms in is um, to take some of this old lexicons out of their language, you know, pre-baby body back, bounce back. It just doesn't, it doesn't honor and pay tribute to what their bodies have been through. Well, and what they're going to go through with the sleep deprivation and the like. I think if some of them are, are there with, you know, they have children already, they, that's not a new experience for them. No. Some of them are navigating, you know, two and three-year-olds with a newborn, which, I mean, we know how hard that is. And I think we we do these postpartum classes with um, a chiropractor who lives in the town nearest to us, and she doesn't have any children. And so we always kind of joke that, like, I have enough children <laughs> For for both of us put together because we have five kids and she has not. Anyways, <laughs> I think it's time for a sponsor break. <laughs> this episode of the Chasing Life podcast is brought to you by The Leaf and Anchor, London's newest fake bar. Join us for Taco Tuesday, Friday Night Dart League, and for a limited time, get a free koozie when you mention this podcast. Leaf and Anchor, real merch, fake bar. And how are we going to bring it home today? What's the last? Oh, I have. Did you think of a question for I have, me? I have a question. Okay, why don't you go this first? This might be a long one, though. Okay. This might be the only question because it might be a long one. Okay, you go first, and then if we have time, then I'll ask you my question. What's the favorite trip, that we, your favorite trip that oh, we've been on? Geez. That's a good question. <laughs> I figure, chasing life. Um, I think Costa Rica is special because it was our first big trip together, um, and we had a blast on that trip, and we almost died. Once or twice. <laughs> Oh, man. We've been to a lot of good places in the States. Like, we've traveled a lot in the U.S. And it's a toss-up between New Mexico and California. 
um, I think I had more fun in New Mexico. Yeah, we the, the two trips she's talking about, California, we that was like the second trip. That was after just after Costa. That was the, the following year after Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the like cliche rent a convertible. So we flew to San Francisco. We did it. Most people go to LA and drive to San Francisco. We did it the opposite. Um, it was partially a CrossFitters road, road trip. Um, we flew to San Francisco. We went to San Francisco CrossFit. We went down to Santa Cruz. We trained at Kelly Surrett's gym with Diane Fu. Yeah, and then uh, we did, uh, we did barbell with Diane Fu, and then down to San Jose into one of the NorCal gyms. Uh, we went down to Santa Cruz. We went to the trained with Annie Sakamoto. Yeah, at like one of the like third CrossFit gym, which is actually currently located like literally four hundred yards from the original CrossFit gym. Um, and then the next morning, actually popped into the ranch, talked to Dave's brother, and then uh, down through Monterey, down the coast of California, right into. We actually never went to LA except for the airport. We, we went, went into to, Santa Monica. We and went then to it, Dogtown and we went to Armin's gym. Yeah. 818 in Glendale. Uh, and that was it, I think. We didn't go to much else down there. Yeah. So that through. was, I mean, that was a fun like CrossFit trip and the convertible was fun. Um, we stayed, we stayed a night out on like a, like a converted portable. Precipice. On the edge of the, like Big, big uh, in the, like on a cliff at Big Sur. They got up in the morning at like five degrees and slight rain and put the top down with the heat blasting and drove as fast as, as fast as necessary to keep the rain flying over top of us. Um, so that, that was a cool. beautiful trip. That yeah. was gorgeous. I think that there's some map dots that I'd like to circle back and spend some more time. Let's go hang out Monterey for a week. I didn't like Monterey that much. I mean, we did, we only, we only went to the coffee shop Monterey. Yeah. And I just remember you freaking out about how fast the internet yeah, it was. It was insane. <laughs> and then, we do we do odd trips. Yeah, we rented an, we went to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and rented an RV, and then drove all the way down to Carlsbad. We, we had planned to, to go, go to the Carlsbad the caves, caves, but it was but during the Donald first... Trump had furloughed the government, yeah. and everybody was on strike, and they closed all the national parks. No, they left the gates open on all the national parks except for the ones that needed Manning. They closed off, and because Carlsbad Caves is an elevator, they closed it down. You couldn't go but in. But they they kept a park ranger with a gun yeah. at the gate. Because remember, we went over to the um, what's the one with the with the large fallacies? What? Oh, Tent Rock. Tent Rock. Yeah. Because there, the gate was just open. Right. I think by the, but the day after we left Carlsbad, they opened everything up. Do you remember? Because we were already on the road and and driving back and we drove through Roswell. Well, we we stayed in Carlsbad two nights. (laughs) We went to Roswell. There's so many fun things about that trip. And then we went to Las Vegas. um, Australian brothers that we met in and ended up like playing cards and drinking vodka and... God knows what else, like with only em- enough empty, mix out of em- the empty, vending machine. Emptying the vending machine because it's a dry county and everything closes at like seven. Oh, dry county. I remember we went for lunch at the taco place. We're like, can we the have the beer menu? They're like, like no. No, there's no alcohol. Well, and she didn't speak English. White City, New Mexico. Yeah. That was just a fun trip. We just had such a great time. Like Santa Fe is such a cool town. We went to Tate Fletcher's gym. We'd like, it was just I just remember having such a great time. We ate a restaurant in Albuquerque with bullet holes in the glass. That was everything about Roswell was weird. Yeah, like Roswell was a really strange place. So I I don't know what was my favorite trip. Yeah, I'm gonna. But then we've also been to like Curacao and Turks and Caicos and 
We went to Mexico with the kids twice. Like Florida, we went to Miami, we went to we've been to Utah a pile of times. I mean, my solo trip to Moab was pretty epic. That was pretty stellar, but That's not what I'm asking. Yeah. Our trips. Our trips. Oh man. Yeah, I'm gonna say New Mexico. Yeah. New Mexico was fun. I, I think so too. Time. Yeah. I think that's probably my I mean, California's probably a close second, but mm-hmm. it's it stands out for different reasons, but yeah, New Mexico was a blast. Like I had so uh, much fun. Um, we were also still trying for babies then, so. Uh, not quite yet. Oh yes, yeah. Because yes. we because we were joking about having name the baby Roswell. <laughs> yep, I remember that. <laughs> oh gosh, good thing this is just audio and not video. I'm blushing. I think you can hear it. <laughs> All right. Do we have time for my question? I'll just edit it out anyway. So. Um, what is the skill or project that you are most proud of? Like as it, as it pertains to the farm, the property. Um, I'm not finished the milk room yet, but like that was a lot of like weird little skills that are like, there's framing, there's the, like doing the new PVC wall stuff. But I still think probably the chicken coop is probably the bit like because that was a heck of a. I still I still go in there and go like I can't fucking believe that I built like yeah. It I mean it took forever because it was an hour here, an hour there, a couple hours at a time, yeah. and I mean and and then the other thing I think that make, that makes it the chicken coop is it lasted the winter. Yeah, it didn't come down in any of the windstorms. Every single windstorm, I was like, "Am I going to lose the damn roof over that thing?" And then all it took was a four-year-old to jump through the roof of the new one. And wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's no, a bit but, of a hurricane anyway. Well, I think we did have a – the chicken coop did have a uh, – well, the, the last windstorm had a little corner pull up, so I had to fix that. And then also I think because it's a lean-to off of the garage, off the barn, um, I think some ice slid off and shattered part of it. Right. So I did, have to, I did have to do some repairs, but it actually went pretty good. So I, I think – just cause, partly because of the scale of that, and it also like opens up being able to breed all of the chickens and do what we do with that thing. Yeah. Um, probably the milk room is a close second now, and I think once we start, once it's done, that might take precedent. It might be the new thing because yeah. there's like electrical and plumbing, and I won't do the gas, but like, and the electrical wasn't too much. I put a, a light and a couple of, of uh, outlets in it. Um, yeah, that might be a close second just because, well, I also, I learned how to use a concrete saw. Yeah, I'm going to, and I'm going to end up using that space a lot. Yeah. So it's going to be I mean, important. We use the chink coops a lot too. Sure. But I mean. Yeah. Well, all, that that will be kind of the hub of the of the farm now. Uh, yeah. I think like that'll be where the eggs end up in the fridge and like all that type of stuff. So. Yeah. I think it will be the, I have to put the, put a little iPad in there for tracking all the stuff. Oh God. I suck at that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Doesn't help that the uh, Wi-Fi is not working out here. Man, if we could get our country ass internet figured out, I would well, be so happy. I think it's the I, I'm 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 pretty sure it's the line from the house out to the gym. It just makes running a business really difficult. Yeah, we don't. Everything in the gym is is like runs on cellular as well. So pain in the butt. We're gonna be out of data next week. Uh. Uh, yeah, maybe. Well, I'm out of steam. Maybe the ground will dry up and the internet will work again. Yeah, maybe. Anyways. Right. I'm sleepy. All right, folks. Shut her down. That is another week. See you Thank next you. week. Thank you all for listening. Yeah.